Big Tech is back in the spotlight this week, shining and pulling ahead of small caps, led in no small part by Apple and the Giants out front. We're going to hear the case now that maybe you don't have to be piled into these big fang names, though. Ross Klein is joining us, Chief Investment Officer at ChangeBridge Capital. Uh, Ross, so it seems like your take from what I read from your notes is that you don't necessarily want to go bearish and bet against Apple, but in your two active ETFs, CBLS and CBSE, which you just launched, both of like 20, 25% since you launched them, neither of them have Apple. So why? Correct. So Apple's a fantastic company. It's well run. They have a competitive moat, um, brilliant management team. They come out with newer, better products every couple of years. But Apple is a $2 trillion company. Uh, they're earning uh, a 30 plus percent earnings multiple. They have a 22 times EBITDA multiple. They're trading at a premium to their historical multiples and to their peer and S&P multiples. This all implies that there must be some tremendous growth in the future. While we acknowledge that that is possible, Apple's coming off a big iPhone 12 product cycle this holiday season. They're going to have to comp that for the next 12 months. That's a difficult comparison. It's very likely that growth decelerates into that. You don't usually have expanding multiples during a decelerating growth period. And we think that there are better opportunities elsewhere. Now, we run a long short fund, CBLS, you mentioned it. And we have the opportunity to either go long or go short if we have high enough conviction. With Apple, we fully can see that this is a fantastic company, but we think that there are much better opportunities mm. for a savvy investor to look elsewhere. Now, in terms of growth, I like the comps uh, point. I don't hear that a lot. And I think that's pretty interesting given that we were all stuck at home. We bought a bunch of phones. Obviously, the bar exiting COVID and quarantine is going to be a tough one to keep going. But Apple's now also kind of letting some headlines, I think, leak a little bit about what's going on with the EV space, their potential role there if they have one, the idea that their services are going to continue to expand uh, all these new connected devices. I mean, what about the fact that as they do have more of an ecosystem, their margins can improve? Maybe it's not huge, robust top line growth, but can they make it that way by generating more on the bottom sure. line? Yeah, without a doubt, it's certainly possible. But again, at a 30 plus times earnings multiple, they better be growing earnings at least five or 10 percent annually. And we better be able to do that for many years out into the future. Again, at a two trillion plus market cap, it's very difficult to imagine that this company is outgrowing the S&P 500. Now, we would fully concede that Apple has the ability to launch an electric vehicle, but the capital requirement to do something like that is tremendous. We've seen it with GM, we've seen it with Ford, we've seen it with Tesla. The amount of capital that has to go out to produce an electric vehicle and then sell it to the masses is really meaningful. Mm. And so for a company that is actually valued on earnings, unlike Tesla, uh, outlaying that sort of capital is a really big deal. Mm. And so they could get dinged for something like that. Uh, one other point here is what's kind of like the, the bear killer? What would make you say, oh, you know what, we got to be a part of Apple? I mean, what if they partner with the automaker from a software perspective or something? What if they say that, you know, everything you've got on your phone now is in your car? I mean, it seems like that's inevitable at some point. Yeah, certainly. If Apple were to make an announcement that they were going to be the iOS for future electric vehicles, 
that's a big deal. Mm. It's capital light. It's high margin. Their services business is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. If they're able to create this sort of iOS system in vehicles, it expands their addressable market. It's a huge opportunity for Apple. But that's all on the come. And as active investors who are allocating capital on behalf of other people, our job isn't necessarily to predict what a company might hypothetically come out with and say that they'll do. Sure. You know, it's to say this is reasonable, this is logical, this is predictable. Um, while I acknowledge that that's certainly a possibility, it's something that Apple hasn't really talked about. It's not something that's widely rumored. It's not something that we have the ability to believe that they're working on. And it would be a really, really big project. And big projects don't tend to hit expectations. Now, Apple is amazing. If anyone can do it, it's probably them. Okay. But the logic behind it is difficult for us. Okay, I like the, I like this point. I think it's uh, uh, one that is uh, apparently working. Obviously, uh, something in your fund is working. It's up more than the market quite a bit over the last couple months. Uh, Ross, on the Intel side, though, I want to get your take here because this one you seem a little bit more convicted on that maybe one could actually bet against Intel is that by virtue of its pop, you want to fade the recent pop or does this change your view? What's the latest uh, uh, view here? And uh, just FYI, in case you didn't see, I'm sure you did, but obviously the numbers were pretty good for the revenue coming ahead a couple billion sure. uh, versus expectations. Yeah, now it, we can start with the last quarter, right? Uh, I, I went through some of the numbers already. Uh, the beat was on PC demand, okay? And so, in 2020, how many of us went from having a formal office to a remote workspace where we needed to buy a new laptop or PC? Right, That's everyone. That's great for Intel short term, right? I mean, I think most of your listeners can probably relate to that. Uh, there was a big cycle for PC demand. That's not likely to comp well into 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, the folks who have gone remote have spent the capital to go remote. Further, um, Intel didn't have a very good quarter on server or data center. And those are the big leading indicators for their future growth. The PC market kind of is what it is at this point. It's not a growth market. For Intel to go out and start to have accelerating growth trends, they're going to have to take share and at least maintain their prior share in that data center and server market. We're not seeing them do that right now. Further, if we sort of take a step back and look at, okay, who are Intel's big customers that you might think of. Apple, mm -hmm. Microsoft, Amazon, Dell, Lenovo. Apple uh, announced that they're replacing Intel. They're moving in-house for their chips. Yep. They're replacing the x86 architecture. That is a really big deal. Companies like that don't make that decision lightly. Microsoft in December said, we're going to do the same thing. We are going to move to an ARM design, and we're going to use it for our data centers. And we're probably going to use it for our Surface laptops and PCs as well. Again, going right after the heart of Intel's business. Amazon, another fairly large company that most of your listeners have heard of, also said the same thing. In fact, they said that their chips that they design in-house are more cost efficient and are better served for their end markets. That's pretty compelling. Mm -hmm. Now, Intel's stronghold on the server market is likely coming to an ending. Further, if you look at your laptop or your PC right now, there's probably a sticker on it that says Intel inside. I would contend, and we at ChangeBridge would contend, that in three years, that sticker is going to say something else. It's probably going to say AMD Ryzen inside right. or AMD right. Ryzen Pro inside. Um, that Ross, creates how, 
how ugly does it get for Intel? Uh, just because we're running out of time, and I, I really like the details here uh, on the case for the entire shift away from Intel. But in terms of price action, it's already been getting beat up. I mean, just totally opposite the entire sector. How far can Intel move away? from the chip makers, you know, on a year-long basis. Uh, obviously, it's made up a good bit of ground the last two weeks. But what's a reasonable value in your mind for Intel? So this is a $250 billion company. There is a lot of room for them to shrink. Mm. Um, you know, it's difficult for a company of this size with this history to go out and forecast three years of declining earnings growth. Now, if you're an allocator, if you're a shareholder, if you're an investor, and you're looking out at the investable universe, and you have companies where you have predictability, and you can forecast out three years from now, five years from now, I think this thing is going to grow, it's going to have more customers, it's gonna gain share, fantastic. Intel's not that. If you're looking out three years, you have no clue what Intel's gonna look like. Hmm. In the semi-market, these are long product cycles. They take a few years to play out. Intel's been built in to most products on the server market and in most of the laptops and PCs that we know of in prior generations. If you look out to the next year's generations, they're not built in in the way that they used to be. We're not seeing it in earnings or revenue yet, but we're going to see it in the short term. Okay. And so when numbers get cut, stock prices tend to follow. Okay, all right, today it's fallen to the upside as the numbers beat, but a compelling case made that uh, maybe a CEO change is not gonna be enough to change the preference uh, for the computer and device makers for what chips they use. Ross, love the details on both cases. Looking forward to hearing more from you. Thanks for joining us here on the program. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Ross Klein is the Chief Investment Officer at ChangeBridge Capital.